Welcome to the Afterlight Podcast. I'm joined today by Michelle Price, writer and clairvoyant. She specializes in angel card, intuitive readings, but she can also do mediumship and past life connections. Michelle has a knack for getting to the root of a problem, and she's experienced in bringing through confirmation from the spirit world when a connection is made. Michelle, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. So spirituality in general and all the modalities that you know you practice are some of the most fascinating most fabulous things to talk about so i know it's going to be an awesome hour that we spend together first of all before we sort of get started in everything that you do and, and the benefits of that can you tell me a little bit about yourself and when did your spiritual journey really begin uh so i've been seeing spirit since I can remember, since I was really small and I just thought it was something that everyone could do. It's one of those things. And, right. you know, you'd go to school and you'd be like, hey, you know, this person was in my room and everyone's like, what? So, <laughs> yeah, it turns out that it's not something that everyone can do. But from my earliest memories, probably from about the age of three or four, I remember a lady coming into my room pretty much every night. She had no facial features, um, no sort of fingers or anything. She had hands, but no fingers. And she had kind of an old fashioned, you know, skirt, blouse and a hat. And she was all sort of in these shades of like peach and white. And she used to just stand at the foot of my bed and she was there pretty much every night. And it felt very protective. Um, and I was never scared of her. And when we moved to Queensland, that was in New South Wales. When we moved to Queensland, she disappeared. I never saw her again. So yeah, that's sort of how it started. I've yeah, always been able to sort of see. She didn't say anything to me specifically like there would never be a message but it was more just her presence and it just felt quite safe i think that um one of the issues is that if you're someone like myself for example who i have no recollection of seeing spirit when i was younger or anything like that kind of being almost afraid of it now would you say that one of the gifts of a lot of mediums and clairvoyance is that they sort of started when they're young, so they were almost able to push through that fear Yeah, other people like myself have to work on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You might find this surprising, uh, Lauren, but what I've found from speaking to a lot of people who do the work that I do as well is we've all had, we all had difficult childhoods. We all had very challenging childhoods where we maybe had a parent that wasn't kind of present or that sort of thing. So what that spirit for me was, was it was kind of taking the role of my mother so in a lot of situations, you know, where I've spoken to other people who are doing this, they've all said something very similar where the spirit came in and took on the role maybe of one of their parents or, you know, if they were in a, a dangerous situation or a threatening situation at home, the spirit kind of acted as a bit of a protector. So it, for me, like I, I think I turned somewhat to the spirit world for that protection if I couldn't get it, you know, in reality. Um, so I actually feel safer around spirit and I'll get into a bit of the work that I do, but it's certainly yeah. in the work I do, I feel safer around the non-human world sometimes in the human world. Yeah. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about what is a clairvoyant and what is a medium exactly? It's a really good question. It's quite a common question because a lot of people think it's the same thing. So 
clairvoyant um, in, in terms of the actual translation is literally to see. So clair is the ability and then the voyant is voyeur, you know, to see. So a French uh, word. So it's literally just being able to, I mean, I started out as a dreamer. So I would go to sleep and I would have dreams and my understanding is if they're in colour, then that's, um, you know, seeing into that that's something that's actually going to happen. If it's black and white, it may be just a dream. So that's a distinction. So if I have someone come oh. to me and say, look, I have this, had this dream, all these things happened. And my first question is always, is it in colour or not? And if it's in colour, then it's probably something that's going to happen. And yeah, so clairvoyance is literally just, you know, I might be sitting with a client and I might have uh, a story playing out. I might see her, you know, in this business role doing all these things. So it's more of a vision. Whereas uh, the mediumship side of it is I might have her uncle come into the room and I'm like, you know, your uncle John's here. He looks like A, B and C. He's telling me this. So I'm more connecting directly with the spirit. So that's the mediumship connection versus clairvoyancy. Okay. So with, um, in regards to clairvoyancy, when you talk about vision, Mm -hmm. Do you see these visions playing out in real life? Like I'm looking at you, for our listeners at home, we are on a Zoom call, so I'm able to look at Michelle. Uh, Do you see it like that or do you see it like in your imagination? What does it look like for you exactly? Yeah, so it's different for different people. For me, I see through my third eye, so that little space between your eyebrows. I always close my eyes in readings, so I'll be sitting here with my eyes shut, and then, yeah, I guess it's like an imagination kind of thing. And this is a tricky thing when you get into this sort of work, Lauren, is that this is a conversation I've had with many other people in this industry, is that it's difficult sometimes when you're getting used to this, when you have, let's say, thoughts or, you know, words and things landing ahead or even visions, you've got to sort of go, is that from me or is that from someone else? And that's the distinction that you kind of have to make in the beginning. And it is hard, but when you get used to it, you almost instantly know because often I smell as well. So I've got the clairsentience ability. So if a spirit comes in, I'll often smell something very sweet, floral, uh, fragrant, you know, like a perfumey type smell. Cigar is really common smoking if they're a smoker. So I'll often smell that, then I'll feel the presence of the spirit and then it sort of progresses from there. And there's a bunch of different signs and things that happen in the lead up, usually to me having a vision or a a message come through. But there is a really, in the beginning, it's really hard, you know, to distinguish between what's in my head and what's coming in from another source. Yeah. So how did you sort of start with that? Because I think that I would imagine that a large part of the work that you do would be down to trusting what you're getting and not yeah. judging it. And, um, you know, a lot of the, the mediums that I've watched on YouTube or in person, you know, they often can deliver something that almost seems uncomfortable to say, but makes sense to the person that they're reading for. So is a lot of this development based on trust or is it also based on practice. Yeah, it's definitely based on trust. And I think my interest by way of explanation really escalated when I went to New York and we stayed in a place in Manhattan that was really severely haunted. And it was one of the most amazing, exciting experiences of my life. I loved it. Loved, loved, loved. And I'll tell you this because it's a a funny story and this is how, you know, I got into what I'm doing now. Went with my husband. We stayed in this apartment. It was like a three-story apartment with like this kind of I don't know, dungeon thing underground or something and didn't know about that. And all these spirits came into the room and I'm like lying in this bed. And what had happened was we were in one of those like 
it's like an Airbnb type thing, but the owners lived there as well. So we were in a room we weren't supposed to be in. Usually the Airbnb people stayed in a different room on a different level, but we were in their guest room. And clearly the spirits weren't happy about it because we're lying in bed. And all these people have marched in the room and I'm looking through my third eye and I'm going, oh, that's interesting. There's a maid over there and there's a dog over there and it looks like A, B and C and there's some dark dude standing over there in the corner. And they're all shouting at me going, what are you doing in this room? You're not supposed to be in this room. And I'm telling Jason all of this and we're about to go to sleep and he's, you know, not thrilled about all this sort of stuff. And he's like, oh, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Anyway, he tried to go to sleep. So we've gone to sleep somehow. Basically, they didn't want us to be in the room. We went to sleep and he's woken up the whole bed. And it was one of those, like it had a frame, like a metal cast iron sort of frame. The whole bed is shaking, right? And I'm asleep. He's woken up and the cast, like the cast iron is just, it's hitting the, the whole thing. And he's like looking at me and he's like, he said I was speaking in tongues. I don't remember any of it, but apparently I was speaking in tongues. The bed's shaking and he's like, what on earth is going on? Anyway, somehow he managed to go back to sleep in the morning and tell me what happened. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I guess that, that proves that they don't want us in the room. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we chatted to the owner and he said, look, you can't stay downstairs because you've got this other couple there. But um, so I went back in and I, I just said to the spirits, look, guys, this is the deal. We're going to move in a couple of days. And they were cool. So when I explained it to them, and this is, this is why I wanted to say this because you realize then that this is a real connection. If you have a connection to spirit and you can explain to them, look, you know, we're just doing some renovations. Um, when this is done, all the noise will stop. You know, whatever you have to explain, they just need to know. And if they're sitting there on the other side, no one can hear them, no one can see them, it can be really, really frustrating. So it was kind of that moment where I was like, oh, okay, like I really got the connection. Yeah. Um, and then we had a great time and they were fine. Like they were fine with us. Yeah. And so when I got back to Australia, I joined a paranormal group. So it sort of started from there. So I do want to hear a lot about the paranormal group. We'll get to that in a minute. Before that though, um, when you mentioned that to the owner of the Airbnb, did they seem surprised? We actually didn't mention it. We just kept it to ourselves. Yeah. Cause it was, yeah, there was a, a bit of dark stuff in the place. I didn't really want to frighten them. And that's yeah. the decision that sometimes you have to make where people do get afraid of that sort of thing. And, you know, they're living in there and they're happy. So I didn't really feel like I wanted to upset that equilibrium by saying that. If I get called to someone's house for that purpose, then that's a different sort of thing. But we were just right. there as guests and, yeah, I just left it at that. So that is one of the things that you do do, is that right, that you actually go to, let's say, for lack of a better term, haunted homes and, and yep. places, and you do help to move spirit on. Can you tell me Correct. a little bit about that process? Yeah, so I start, this is something that people have a little bit of difficulty wrapping their minds around. So I start with the, what's called a remote viewing. If people haven't heard that term, what it basically means um, and I learned to do this when I did my Reiki course so you learn to kind of uh, travel you know using your inner self or inner being or spirit self you use that that self to travel to a remote location and that's called remote viewing so what I do with that is I come out of my body essentially um, in kind of meditation state and then I travel to the house in question so I always get first names and like a, a location could just be a street I don't even need to have like a street number I go to the house and I literally walk through so I can tell where rooms are, where kitchens are, the whole layout. I can see everything like I'm actually physically in the house, which often surprises people. But see, this is why we need permission. So it sounds a little, you know, scary and, and confronting, but I need to get their permission because I am going to be in their house. That's part of the universal law. And what's really funny with this is, and what you said before about trusting is um, one of the first ones that I did like this, I was very early on in, in um, investigating homes and haunted houses and 
stuff is I was looking at this um, family and they were all blonde and blue-eyed and um, fair skin and, and very, um, you know, all very similar looking, um, all the children and the mother. And then I saw this um, Asian man in the, in the vision as well and I'm like, that's funny. I don't know how that would fit and I was thinking, oh, it must be a mistake. Anyway, I got to the house and sure enough, the family looks like what I saw. And then an Asian um, man walked out of one of the rooms and they had an exchange student. So, you know, you just, you have to trust. You always have to trust spirit because I was sort of doubting. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'll leave that bit out, but I like all the other stuff, you know, but it it was genuine. And they said, yeah, we've got this exchange. We always have exchange students. So you just have to trust spirit. That's amazing. So does somebody basically go, there's something that doesn't feel right in my home and they would call someone like you and then you do a remote viewing to sort of scan the house. And then what happens next? So with the scan, um, what I'm looking for primarily is, is there actually something supernatural there? We do get some cases where there's mental health issues, drugs and um, electrical problems. A lot of people don't realize if you live in an apartment and you have like a fuse box or anything inside your house where there's a lot of power and and a source, you know, power and even fridges, um, alarm clocks, all those sorts of things. We use EMF monitors. So that electromagnetic frequency, they pick that up. EMF is actually what a spirit lives off. So that, that actually charges up a spirit and it's what they give off. So it's all very, it overlaps. And so a lot of people don't realize if They've got something that's, you know, a fuse box in their apartment and they're walking past it. We had a house like that with a, a hallway and the fuse box was in the hallway. So every, all the bedrooms were off this hallway and people were just having visions and hallucinations. There actually wasn't anything supernatural, but they were all having hallucinations of vision. So it can actually cause, and this is something that, you know, people should know, it can actually cause hallucinations and visions. So it could be electrical, it could be drug related or mental health. So I need to rule all of that out. And that's why my group got me on board so that I could rule that out because we don't need to go out to houses if that's a situation and there's nothing supernatural there. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the start. So based on that, if there is something supernatural, then myself and we had, you know, three or four, depending on the time, three or four other mediums, psychic mediums and clairvoyants, we would all head out with our our scientific team. So the scientific team has all the equipment, uh, the mounted cameras, all that sort of stuff, and we would conduct an investigation. Right. So do you go into the house at night or can you conduct an investigation yep. in light? Yeah, that's, that's another good question. You can, you can do it during the daytime. But what we tend to ask people is when is the activity, you know, at its peak? And often you'll find it's very after midnight, uh, very early morning, witching hour, you know, two or three in the morning is very common. So we generally find that we do investigations from about midnight onwards. And we could be at a house because we've got a, a van with a load of cameras, like stacks and stacks of cameras. And then we have all those cameras that they're connected to, that the little TV screens are connected to, mounted throughout the house. So we may be in investigation for six to eight hours, you know, throughout that midnight Mm -hmm. to 8 a.m. or 6 a.m. sort of period. But the most activity you'll see is usually between sort of midnight and 3 a.m. is when it sort of picks up. And so when you're trying to, so I'm under the impression that you're trying to capture images of the spirit, you're trying to see the behavior happen in front of you. If that happens and the spirit, do you talk to the spirit and see whether or not they want to help moving, like changing location, going to the light or any of these sort of Mm -hmm. things? Is that what happens? Yeah. So from my perspective, I mean, I don't need evidence because I can sort of see, communicate, feel, smell, the whole thing. It's more the scientific people and I guess the general public who follow us is that they want 
evidence. So that's why we have that sort of, you know, evidence-based, here's our photos, here's our supporting documentation or vision. So what I will say to start with is that there's been many occasions where I'll say, okay, we've got children over here, they're doing A, B and C, and we have uh, temperature gauges. So we'll pop the temperature gauge over there where the spirit is sitting. And we will usually see about a four to five degree fluctuation. So it might just suddenly drop by four to five degrees. So that's, you know, evidence that there's someone there. The other thing that we do, and I had a really great example of this in one of the houses we investigated was we were communicating with a little boy and little boy was holding my hand. And I said to the group, little boy is holding my hand. And then I was holding out what's called a K2 meter, which actually measures the presence of a spirit. It's, it's kind of an EMF you know, device and it it, um, shows you in lights. So it goes from red, orange, yellow, and green. And so you want to see a bit of a reading. You want to see those lights kind of flashing on and off. And that's, you can actually basically use that to get yes and no answers. So if you're communicating with a spirit and they're saying, you know, yes, you might say flashed orange and green might be no. So yes and no. So that's how you sort of communicate. So I was saying to the little kid, you know, do you understand all of this? This is how the lights work, blah, 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 blah. And I'm holding his hand and then I... I heard it physic. I heard it through my ears, um, psychically. No one else heard anything in the room. But on the uh, recording device, we had a recording device, like a ghost box, and through the ghost box, everyone heard yes. So we went back through it. You listen wow. to my question, and that's why whenever you ask a question, you always pause and wait for a response. Right. So we didn't hear it. They didn't hear it with their physical ears. But the yes came through, and it was a little boy's voice on the box, and wow. everyone was like, "Whoa!" So that's the sort of thing that we're chasing with that. When you're holding Um, the hand of a spirit like that, do you feel their physical hand or is it more? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not like, it's not like holding your husband or wife's hand. Um, So it's not that sort of physical sensation, but it's like a, it sounds weird. It's it's kind of like warmth, but yeah, sort of a pressure or just sort of a, a presence a bit like, I guess like, um, you know, holding a feather or something very, very light and, yeah, and, and sort of an awareness, I guess, as well. So, and that's quite common with children because children are actually generally just very scared um, and they will gravitate to other children if they have toys and things to play with because that's kind of fun. So more often than not, they're not threatening. Um, and if and I'm quite a maternal person, so often when I'm in a house, the children will come to me. So most of us in our group, Lynn tends to gravitate to, one of our colleagues um, tends to gravitate to the older spirits, whereas I'm almost always babies, toddlers, children, and young people. So most of us, for some reason, she used to be a paramedic. I don't know if that made a difference, but we tend to have certain spirits come to us. Don't know why. Wow. So when yeah. you are dealing with the, like in this situation with that child, do you talk to the child and say, hey, do you want to go? I keep using the light example because one time I was yeah. to a hotel and I walked into this room and I was I was traveling alone and I was overwhelmed with sadness and just, I don't know how to explain it other than I was, I couldn't stay there. I was so scared and sad and it was just the craziest feelings ever. And I remember in my mind, I saw a couple of dark sort of shadowy type in there and I left that and I asked to go to a different hotel room and a friend of mine said when you feel comfortable you should sit down and you should imagine those beams and send them to the light is that sort of what you would then do to help that spirit absolutely it depends on who it is and it depends on if they're earthbound or not so the main 
extinction, um, the first thing that I look at is are they earthbound or are they just visiting? So often what we find is when someone has a baby, it, grandma, grandpa, they may have passed over, but they may have come back to look after that little newborn and keep an mm. eye on them. So if they've already gone through the light, we don't need to worry about that. And we just let the family know, hey, it's granddad, grandma, you know, they're cool. They're just looking after your little newborn. And we find that that happens a lot. Like I've had a friend of mine who was woken, like literally shaken awake by her mother-in-law who passed away because her baby had stopped breathing. So she saved her baby's life because wow. she was a really heavy sleeper. So that's an example of that. She had already crossed over. She didn't need to cross over again. So what we, the way we tell that is an earthbound is denser. So they, you know, earth is heavy. The, yeah. the energy on earth is heavy. So the energy of an earthbound spirit, um, and they can be earthbound for a variety of reasons. Often it's um, a sudden passing. So it could be murder, you know, something unexpected. They had an, a severe accident, car accidents and things like that. So something sudden, yeah. you could find yourself self-earthbound. So as a psychic medium, we feel the density of that spirit and you can tell pretty much straight away if, you know, they're earthbound. The other guys are a lot lighter and, and they just feel different. So if we determine that they're earthbound and if we determine that the people, because sometimes the people in the house are like, oh, it's just a little kid, don't worry about it, just leave them here. We ask the permission of the residents. So if the residents do want us to move them on, then we'll make the decision to move them on. And it's as simple as what you said. It's simple as um, creating a light. And so myself and the other, my teammates who are in the group are all Reiki. We all do Reiki. Mm -hmm. So we all use our hands. They call them light workers. Um, mm -hmm. So we use our hands and we create the light. And that's sort of a, a visualization, projection, you know, the whole lot. And so we combine and we sort of use our skills. Um, I'm waving my hands around madly, but no one can see me. So that's okay. Yes, we create the light and then we just explain. And, and it is different for children and different age groups too, because we move on babies, we move on, you know, different age groups. And so it's difficult for me to communicate to a baby, a toddler, you know, a little child who's scared what they need to do. So often we'll ask someone from the spirit world, someone they may have known who's passed over to come back and, and get them. So often we'll see, um, you know, an arm reach out or someone might, you know, their upper body sort of might come out of the light and they might hold on to the child and, and take them through. Wow. Um, so it depends on the age, the age group. I've had skeptics, Lauren. I mean, there's, there's spirits that we've come across who are earthbound, one gentleman in particular, and he was very argumentative and he was like, I was a Christian and I went to church and I don't believe in psychics. And he was very, very opinionated. And that doesn't change. People think that they go on the other side and they had this amazing experience. And, you know, he died suddenly. And so he was kind of bang, here I am, earthbound, stuck. No one can see him or hear him. He was incredibly frustrated. It took a long time for us to convince that guy to move over, <laughs> but we did. But yeah. we're like, mate, like we can see and hear you. This is an opportunity for you to go. And his wife was on the other side. She yeah. reached out, grabbed him. He went through. He was as happy as Larry. So yeah. Yeah. people's personalities don't necessarily change just because they've passed away. But yes, yeah. the light is, is super important. And look, the light, the best way to explain it is it's just love. So our source, um, the source, I believe, of all of us as humans, yeah. um, our source is love. That's ultimately what we came from. That's what we go back to. And that's what the light is. And so when we have the light in a room and we can leave the light there for 24 hours and then we can program it to close when we want to. If there's, you know, we've been in houses where there's so many spirits, like we'd have to be there all night moving them through. So we're just programming it. We go, can you stay up for 24 hours? All you guys need to go through the light. They all just want to get the hell out of there. So they're like more than happy. And then we can leave and let that sort of take place. Right. But it's just the most amazing feeling. That light is just pure love. It's, it's amazing. And that's why people have near-death experiences and they don't want to come back. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. So one thing that really struck me when you're talking about all that is protection. How do you protect yourself with, from not absorbing those energies, from not being um, weighted down by that? Like, do you, what are your grounding techniques or yeah, how do you protect yourself? That's a really funny story, actually. I've got a little backstory. I had no idea. <laughs> I went to New York, okay. as I said, had the haunted experience, came back and I'm like, right, let's do this. So I had no idea. So I just joined the group and I'm like, yeah, guys, I'm, I'm great. I'm good to go. You know, let's, let's do this. I can communicate. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> so I had no, I hadn't even thought about protection. So I went on to my first case. It ended up being very, very dark. And I was like, I had a crystal. My friend had given me like an angel rose quartz shaped into an angel. Yeah. And I had this thing and I had it in my hand, like, you know, this is, <laughs> this is my protection. And I marched through this and it, it didn't work. Um, so I went to that house a few times and it was just super dark. My little crystal, and this is what happens when crystals have had enough, they smash. Like they, they basically just take their own life, essentially. And so I got home from one of these investigations at this particular house. It was very, very dark. My crystal flew out of my, I didn't let it go. Like, I love this little crystal. It flew out of my hand. <laughs> and smashed into a million pieces on the ground in front of me. And I was devastated. So I took myself off to like a crystal shop to get a new crystal. But I also said to the ladies behind the counter, I was like, how do I protect myself? Like I'm using this for paranormal investigations and stuff. Like I'm, I'm thinking I'm protecting myself. And no one could tell me, like no one had any ideas. So mm -hmm. in the end, Lynn, who I mentioned before, who's one of my um, team members, she came into the group from another group and she became my mentor. So she taught me how to protect myself. So at a basic level, what she taught me was just to put yourself in a bubble. Yeah. And this is a very, very basic, you know, in a bubble or an egg. I used to use an egg. So when I did um, my re remote viewings, I wasn't actually protecting myself. So strange things started to happen at my house yeah. because that's what you're doing. You're opening a channel. So I was just like, Wee! you know, just connecting and not doing anything at all to protect myself. It's so dangerous, Lauren. I can't even tell you. So people who are getting yeah. into this or yeah. considering getting into this, that at a very basic level, you must, must, must protect yourself because mm -hmm. some of the stuff that was going on in my house was very scary. Yeah. So bubble or an egg so when I started getting, um, getting involved I used to imagine myself in this big egg and it was very very thick walls and I had a little door on it and I'd go in and it was very comfortable and suede and you know very nice inside and very comfortable <laughs> and I'd lie down and I'd shut the door and then I could almost it's very interesting I could feel the presence of you know spirit and things on the outside but nothing could get inside this egg yeah so it's really about being very firm and very practiced and very methodical and so i set up all of my remote viewings readings everything the same way now um, so if i have someone come to my space it's the same thing i protect my house i protect my room that we're in and they'll always come in and go oh wow like it feels great in That's here good, you know yeah. what have you done yeah and i've just neutralized the energy so there's no energy basically there's nothing negative positive everything's just neutral and that's the starting space so that we can sort of commune and then, you know, during the reading emotions and things come up. And so yeah. it's just a really nice neutral space. So that's what I do permanently. But at a basic level for everyone getting started in this, I would suggest an egg or bubble or something similar to that. Often you can imagine a mirror, see, feel, imagine a mirror on the outside. So it's reflecting everything off it. So that's, I do that when I go to the shop. 
you know, people pick up stuff just going to the oh, supermarket. That's a good idea. Almost like a, yeah. Yeah. Like an armor of mirrors. Correct. I use it all the time. You have angry drivers. You know, the first thing I do is I shield. If I have someone, you know, next to me in the car and they're carrying on like a pork chop, I shield. So that's literally, it feels ah. like putting up a wall and you have energy thieves, you know, energy thieves who come up really close you and you're like oh what's going on here and you can sort of feel them trying to take your energy or something yeah. same thing I just shield and so that will be like an instant kind of you know you've already protected yourself in the morning you've got your bubble on but some of them can get through those and so you just kind of put up an extra sort of shield and it is a bit like armor I can imagine armor yeah, yeah. do you um ground every I mean sorry do you protect yourself every day or only when you're doing this kind of work aside from the because um, I understand yeah, I'll be, I'll be honest and I should. So the answer is yes, I should protect myself every day, but I don't. So often it is more so when I'm doing circle work or readings and, and investigations and things like that. But the recommendation is that we do this on a daily basis. I definitely yeah. cleanse as a pr um, little easy process you go through in the shower every morning where you imagine the water being sort of rainbow colours. Um, and sort of covering, you know, your body and you sort of watch it psychically, you know, through your third eye, go down the drain and it might be sort of dirty looking and then you wait for it to be, you know, nice and rainbowy and all of that. And that's just a really simple little cleansing technique. So yeah. cleansing and protection are two very different things. Um, yeah. So you could be protecting yourself in a bubble every day, but you could be protecting, like keeping in all the yucky stuff too. So yeah. it's really important to um, imagine that sort of rainbow light and the shower is easy because we do it every day. So that's a habitual thing. Yeah. Um, and then putting on your bubble, you can jump out of the shower, you've done your cleansing and then you put your bubble on and off you go. Yeah. But if you're not doing the cleansing, you're holding in all of that. One thing that I know really surprised me is I talked to somebody who works in the healthcare industry and deals with lots of different personalities and they were really tired and lethargic and stuff. And, and I did quiz them about the cleansing process and they didn't have one. So I recommended yeah. the shower technique as well, but I used light. I love the idea of using rainbow colors. Yeah. I'll integrate that now. It's so much more. I did have a question about, um, I just wanted to ask your opinion on this. So I have a friend and she is uh, getting involved in spiritual work like this. And she probably has some tendencies towards psychic mediumship. And she's quite heavy. I said to her, maybe you're not grounding. And that's why you're carrying all this weight because your body is intuitively trying to keep you down closer to the ground. What do you think about that idea? And do you use a grounding technique as well? What I'll say about that is the size that I am now, I was actually 20 kilos heavier before I started doing the work that I do. So this may go some way to explain what's going on with your friend. I was 20 kilos heavier couldn't shift it. And one day I was like, I just said to myself, look, I want to do this work. I want to be in the public eye. So I want to be, you know, doing the readings, but also have like a presence out in the yeah. community yeah. and doing my circles. Like this is before I started doing circles and public events. And I was like, I can't look like this. I don't feel like because I've traveled and I've seen my, you know, inner self, my spirit self, yeah. my spirit self look completely different. Yeah. My spirit self looked like the, the physical form that I wanted to have. And so for me to be able to go out there and do all the work I want to do, I need to look more like my, my inner self, like my spirit self. Like I feel like that is what our essence is, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that's what I looked at. I looked at my spirit self and I was like, yep, that's, that's what I want to look like. And then the weight just fell off. I can't even explain it. Like it was literally my husband was like, what on earth is going on? He had no idea. I literally, the 20 kilos just dropped off within a few months. 
and then I look like what I look like today. So a really healthy weight and I wasn't before. And then I started work. So it was like, I don't know if that helps with your friend situation, but it's almost like you make the conscious decision because what the weight does is for me, it was just holding me back. It was yeah. like, oh, I can't be in the public eye because of, because of this thing. Yeah. And as soon as I made the decision, I was like, I want to look like that. I want to look like my inner spirit self to be able to do the work that I'm doing. And I guess my prayers were answered um, and the weight just fell away. It just didn't matter anymore. And I've been like that ever since, you know, I was yeah. doing heaps of exercise too before. It was really interesting, but just wouldn't share. Mm. So it's, it's like making that conscious choice. It's like saying to the universe, divine love, whatever you believe in, I want to do this work. If you can help me, you know, get yeah. to look the way I want to look to be able to present myself to the public, then let's do it. Let's do this thing. And it yeah. happened. I made the deal. Yeah. yeah. I do want to talk to you about asking for help in a minute because I think that's such an important thing. And I know that you do angel readings as well and they don't intervene unless they are asked for help. But before that, do you know much about crystals? Because I have this beautiful crystal and I oh, got it quartz. and it, I got it from a friend, right? And yeah. the same day I was holding it on my, um, my tummy and I had it accidentally fell asleep. And when I woke up, I knocked it off and it smashed in two. So it just made yeah. me think about what you were talking about. How And when I said that to her, I was so upset because she'd just given it to me. And her yeah. response was, oh, I'm surprised it didn't break earlier. So it was such an interesting thing. Do you hold on to crystals once they've broken like that? Can you use both parts? Do you have any knowledge? Yeah. On so you know, I was saying before about my crystal that flew out of my hands and smashed on the ground. Yeah. It had had enough. So what I, the first um, thing that I do with all my crystals now is I make sure they're all clean and happy. So I've actually done a course. Um, I'm a chronic energy healer too. So I've actually done a course. One of our courses is crystals, all yeah. about crystals, programming, cleansing, you know, why they throw themselves out of your hands and smash, you know, all of that sort of stuff. So I've actually done, yeah, a whole level on that. So what I make sure with my crystals now is that they are clean and, and happy because some of the crystals I'll use them at work and um, I'll get them to, pro I'll program them to, you know, take away negative energy, take away energy from other people, all that sort of stuff. So they're processing all day, everywhere, every day. And I need to give them permission to not have to do that and also to clean them, you know, so they, they can start again. So with your crystal, when it's smashed, when, you know, chopped in half or whatever the you know, situation is, which is, a, is what's happened with your rose quartz, uh, your clear quartz, they need to be returned to the soil. So there's no purpose okay. for it. You can't, um, you know, and this is to the best of my knowledge and the research that I've done, um, it's not useful to you or the crystal once it's done that because it's kind of made the decision. It's cut the, cut the cord, I guess, to, to you. Um, and so the best thing you can do for that crystal is return it to the soil. So I've got plants in my office and any crystals that I've had smash or, you know, something similar to what you've had, I put them in the soil. So you can still keep them, like keep them in your presence and around you. But they came from the soil, they came from the land, and that's where they want to go back to. Mm. So it's really important and it's honouring the crystal to return it to soil. So you can either bury it in your garden. On a side note, fairies love crystals and bright, sparkly things. So if you have a little fairy garden or anything like that, put your broken crystals out there, put little bits of alfoil, not great for the environment, but fairies love it. So you can stick it in your garden or just in a pot uh, in your house. But yeah, return them to the soil. That's a respectful thing to do. And you can still admire it then. Yes, sure. Okay. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. So um, before we continue on, I think it's important for our listeners to understand the difference between a psychic medium and a medium and a psychic. 
Yeah, I'm probably not an expert on it, but, you know, a friend of mine, quite well known in that industry, Amanda Warren. So she is an animal communicator, but she calls herself a psychic medium. So by way of, I guess, using her as an example, if you were just a medium, you know, the spirit comes through and it will just be a conversation and you relay that conversation that you've had to the person. Um, I guess the psychic medium part of it is more, you know, using the clairs and bringing the other things into it so the senses like using all the senses so yes you could have a conversation i'm i'm doing mediumship you know that's having the conversation and it's kind of at that level but then you bring in uh you know the senses and the visions and everything else into it and then i'm guessing that's when it becomes a psychic mediumship but yeah i'm probably not an expert on on that subject but that's what i i feel like yeah i i think that sounds yeah. right in my experience yeah. as well so what responsibility do you believe that mediums, psychic mediums have? And one of the reasons why I'm posing that question as well is, you know, when you were at your Airbnb in New York, as opposed to telling the owners that they had all these spirits living in their house, you made the decision not to do that. Yeah, that's a good, um, a really good question. I get asked that a lot because I've got friends who go to the dentist and um, the dentist is in there in their mouth and they're just having all these kind of visions and, you know, feelings and sensations about this person. And, um, you know, they come to me and they're like, do I, do I say something? Like what happens? Even with a hairdresser, usually, um, if someone's touching you, like if I go in and have a massage or any kind of beauty treatment, I'll almost always get impressions about that person. And I trust my gut. So if I'm in there and I've had it, my husband, we had like a couple's massage and I literally was downloading, it was so not relaxing, Lauren, I've got to tell you, yeah. I'm like lying on the table <laughs> going, oh, I should be relaxing. That all I was doing was downloading information about the person who was massaging me. So during the whole thing, I'm like, okay, I was like seeing literally her entire life story in that moment. And I sort of said to spirit, I was like, does she need to know this? Like, do I need to pass this information on? And I didn't do that in New York because I was very new to it. And the message was yes. The answer was yes. And so after the massage, I said, look, and look, it's an exchange of energy. Yes, I paid for the massage, but also she's, you know, providing a really amazing service by doing that. And I felt like me telling her is kind of an exchange as well. Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, told her what I saw and, and she burst into tears and Jason, my husband left the room and left it to, left us to it. But yeah, she was very emotional because it was about her mother and she was thinking about becoming her full-time carer. And I said, look, I can see you putting this ramp in at your house. It's like a, and this is before she told me anything. I just said, look, I can see this ramp. It's like a disabled ramp or something. You can put a wheelchair up it. Um, I could see a house. I described a house, everything. And I said, um, I'm getting something about a carer and all of this. And then um, after I'd finished everything that I saw, yeah, I'm thinking about becoming a full-time carer for my mum and it makes me really emotional because I have to quit my job and all this stuff. And she just broke, broke apart. It was really, really upsetting for her. But I said to her, I can see you doing it. I can see the concrete ramp going in. You're obviously going to do it. So there was a reason Spirit wanted me there, you know, to connect to her and to reassure her that she's going to do it and that she has the strength to do it because I think she kind of didn't know she had the strength to do it. Yeah. So there was a reason, you know, that she needed to hear that message. So what I say to people now is, you know, the dentist example, whatever it is, I'm like, just trust your gut. And I feel like in most situations, if spirit is communicating to you when you're, you know, with somebody in the presence of someone else, 
more often than not, that person needs to hear that message. I think in New York, it was a unique situation where spirit was directly communicating to us that we weren't supposed to be in that room. And so that was like an agreement or an, yeah. um, an exchange between us more yeah. than the householders. But yeah, I definitely say to people, if you have impressions like that, then I think the person needs to know. And my conversations hopefully have changed those people's lives because I do it a lot. Almost every time I get a massage, I'll here we go again. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that I um, tell them. that's one of the fears I think people have with mediums though, is that they'll um, almost get into their personal lives or, you know, almost break that boundary. I know you asked for before about permission and stuff like that. So, you know, do you, what are your thoughts on that? I guess. It's universal law. So what I was saying before about permission is true because I'm going into their personal space and going to their house and I'm looking at their family and stuff like that. So when I'm getting a massage and things like that, that touch instantly for me, I don't know if that's considered permission. Maybe it's considered permission at a certain level. But as soon as I'm in contact with another, another human being, I'm downloading. Like I'm downloading information. So I don't tend to touch people unless they're within you know, my circle. You know, That's part of, I guess, that universal law that if the connection is made then I will see degrees of information I'm not going in like I'm not getting a massage and I'm not seeing that person in the shower you know what I mean like it's not that personal the information that I'm given is is useful is something that's useful to that person that's what spirit wants they're not showing me their you know bedroom space and all that sort of stuff because that's not useful So, and I, you know, I'm not, whatever I need to tell them, it's something to do with a decision that they're making, you know, they're they're at crossroads, it's something helpful. And I've never, I don't think in my experience that I've ever seen anything, even with my remote viewing after I have permission, I'm not seeing anything that's embarrassing necessarily or really super personal to that person. Yeah. Because I I don't need to see that. It's not useful to me. Yeah. Yeah. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. 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 I think it's that universal, universal order, universal law. I yeah. think it just kind of knows what we, yeah, what we need. What we need and what you need to tell them or what they need to hear. Yeah. So. Oh, good example, Lauren. Sorry. I will, I will just yeah. say something very quickly is we, we are truth seekers. So one of my abilities and not everyone has this, but I have an ability to tell the difference very quickly between truth and lie. There was a lady that I did a reading for and she said to my group, so I don't do all the bookings and all that sort of stuff that goes through our management team. So she rang up and she said, I want a reading on my parents-in-law because they have some supernatural presence in their home. And I just, from the beginning, I had this kind of, this isn't right kind of feeling like there's something weird about this. And I told the group, I said, look, this is weird. I said, why is she requesting me to go into the house of her parents-in-law? What's her husband's involvement or what does he think? All my alarm bells are going off, right? But the team's like, look, she's given permission. Can you just go in and check it out? So I said, did she give permission? And they said, yes. And I was like, okay. So I went in and I'm like looking at a gray wall. And this is the first experience I'd had like this because people in the past had given permission and it was genuine. This wasn't genuine. So I'm in there and I'm going, all right, I've got the names, got the location, and I'm literally looking at a gray wall. That's all I could see. I couldn't get through it, couldn't see through it, couldn't get over it, nothing. I contacted the group and I was like, guys, I don't think she's got permission because all I'm looking at is a gray wall. So she's obviously thinking she's not experienced in this area, but the woman who made the request is thinking... Oh, well, I'll just get this, you know, person to like go in there spiritually and kind of do their thing. And it won't matter that I haven't asked permission. They won't be able to tell. Yeah. But in that moment, I was like, this is actually a thing. Like this, 
I've just always said it because that's what I was told to tell them. You know, you have to, have to give me permission. But that was the first real example I'd had where I said to her, you, she was just trying to spy on them. She was literally trying to spy on them. So it doesn't work. The universe will not allow that. But yeah. I just thought that was a really good example. Yeah, I love that. There are people in the world who believe that the work that you do and the work that I also believe in is a bunch of crap. What do you think about that and does it actually matter? I actually love it. I love it. I, when I started doing this work, I put out on um, some uh, Facebook groups and things like that, hey, guys, I'm going to do free readings, rah, rah, rah. Anyway, I was inundated with requests. Oddly, and I, it's not something that I expected, I think there was five or six complete skeptics that said, yes, I want a reading. I was really surprised. I was like, why would they, why would they say, but they were really open about it. They were like, I'm skeptical. I don't believe in this. I do think it's a load of bull crap. I want to come and see what you do. And I was yeah. like, cool. And they were men. I had a lot of requests from men, but yeah, there was about five who were real skeptical, sat down in front of me and I love it. Like I was a bit nervous, but I was like, no, you know, like this is, this is a genuine thing, what I'm doing. And as long as I have their permission and they're sitting in front of me, well, so be it, whatever, whatever comes through is great. All of them sat down, all of them were in tears and they left believers. Wow. So, you know, if, if someone's skeptical, bring it on. Like I'm more than yeah. happy to sit down with you <laughs> because spirit has other ideas. Spirit breaches those realms and it doesn't matter what their belief is. As I said, with that guy in the kitchen that we saw the spirit, you know, who was like, I don't believe in you guys. I go to church. Yeah. I don't believe in mediums. You know, they, they don't change their perspective. But when we created the light and his wife reached out her arm, he went through. So, you know, that, that's what I have to say about that. If you're a skeptic, come and sit down with me, spend time with me. I haven't had a skeptic leave a skeptic. Let's just say that. Yeah, that's so cool. I love that. So what role does mediumship play in your everyday life? Does it influence the way that you look at the world? Um, when you have challenges that arise, does it help you to feel supported? And, you know, does it, is it part of your everyday life? Well, I will say it's very helpful when you're in a relationship or you're married. <laughs> I was just I thinking bet. of a funny example when I was not so much mediumship, but when I was on a plane with Jason Moore playing uh, Hangman and I just kept reading his mind. <laughs> so he went to write out the spaces and I'm like, it's blah, it's blah. And he was so angry. He's like, I don't want to play Hangman anymore. Um, so yeah, it does come in. Um, it does come in useful. He actually put a post on Facebook about it. It was quite funny, but yeah, no, I do use it on a daily basis because often people need messages. Like I'll, I'll take my angel cards to work. For example, in my workplace, if I look at my cards and I'm like, I need to take my deck. I don't know why, but I'm going to take it guaranteed. Someone at work needs me and I'll feel it when I get to work. I'm like, you need a reading and I'll go in and do a reading. So I'm constantly connected Spirit's constantly giving me information about who needs a connection, who needs information. So if I pick up my deck, I know it's for a reason. I know that I'm going to help someone. So every day, all my hair stands up when I say that every single day, I'm looking for ways to help people. I retain that connection with spirit to yeah. help me make those connections and to help those, those people. And often like I'll, I'll sit here and I'll just put it out there and say, look, you know, if you need a connection or you need guidance or you're feeling a bit down or whatever, you know, please get in touch with me. And then I'll find that I'm, I'm fully booked for that week. Yeah. So it's really powerful, you know, thoughts, words, actions, they're so powerful. So just even that thought out there, I find people will just reach out to me from all over the place. You know, there's my business card somewhere or yeah, it's pretty amazing. It sounds to me like the big word 
Well, the word that came through to me when you were saying all that was service. Yeah, hundred percent. That's what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. People, people come to me, and I want to say something around that is that you know when you go to see someone for a reading or whatever it is, please just let go of what you want. I've had some people come to me and they've sat there with only one goal in mind and I'm sitting there and I'm reading and I'm saying all this stuff and I'm thinking, you know, it's, I'm not feeling it, you know, connect to the other person. And I'm like, what is going on? And the first thing I say to people is please let go of your expectation because expectations are blockers. They block spirit. They block the messages and everything coming through. And I just felt with this particular person, there was just this kind of force field there. And it turned out at the end of the whole thing, I'd said all this stuff and he's like not even responding. I wasn't getting any kind of response. At the end of it all, he just said, I want to know if my wife's going to die. She's got a brain tumor. That was it. That was the whole reason he came. So we had a conversation along those lines and I did do a reading around that and give him some information about that. But he didn't want to hear any of the other stuff and all the other stuff was just for him. And that made me really sad. I was like, you're potentially missing out on all these beautiful messages and all these words of encouragement. And he's a a father of three, like he had three beautiful children. His wife's been diagnosed with terminal illness, but he didn't hear any of the stuff for him. And it made me really sad. So that's what I want to say to people is please let go of some of those expectations and just see what spirit wants to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so true that people go to readings just to hear that so-and-so is going to marry them or, yeah, you know, yes, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. And we can do readings around that. That's no problem, but it's just, if you have this one expectation and this one thing that you want and you don't care about anything else, you're blocking, you're just blocking and you're not going to get what you want ultimately. And that, that doesn't affect me, but it hurts me because I'm like, I want that for you. If you're going to come and spend the money and spend the time, I want that for you. Yeah. I love that. Do you think anyone can learn these skills? Do you think you have to be born with it? I teach as part of my little circles and gatherings that I do. I teach, I have people with, you know, who say they have no abilities and they make connections. Got to figure out what the importance of I guess having someone who has been in this industry for a little while is everyone makes a connection in a different way. So even in my little paranormal group that I'm in, some of us are similar, some of us are different. So some of our members of the group will be able to look and just see spirit with their eyes, not through third eye. Some of us has through our third eye, but the girl who looks through her real eyes, she has no smell. She doesn't sense, you know, through her smell, but we do. So everyone has skills in different areas and they all complement each other and we all need, you know, those different skills. Yeah. So when I have women come to me or men or, you know, I've seen both, we try to figure out what their strength is. And often, you know, I've got an excellent sense of smell in reality. So often what our physical strengths are and... I I have really good seeing abilities, but I've always dreamed. Um, So I've always had those premonitions and dreams and things. Mm -hmm. We find that translates into the spirit world. So some people, you know, like I said before, if I have someone who wants to connect with a lost relative and they bring in their t-shirt or their favorite toy or their hat, then I can make a really strong connection through that because it's got their essence on it. So that's a really good skill and not everyone can do that. But that's something that I teach because some people, they'll hold on to that object. You know, jewelry, we often use jewelry, things like car keys. You can even use car keys. Um, that's psychometry. So some people will connect through psychometry really easily. Other people will get really frustrated with that and they just need to use cards. Everyone has strengths in different areas, but I've never found anyone who came into me and said, look, I don't feel like I have any abilities. 
that didn't have any abilities because mm-hmm. even when they're sitting there doubting themselves and saying these things and they're like, oh, I think this is really silly. But I've actually got one of the uh, girls I have been mentoring for quite a while now. She came to me and she just was like, oh, this is really dumb. This is really silly. But she'd start every sentence like that. And then she'd say the most profound thing. And I'm like, oh, you have to stop starting every sentence with this may be silly or dumb, or this is probably my imagination. And really good example of, of that for her. And this was a turning point in her life because she had abilities. I knew she had abilities from the moment I met her. We were doing a little gathering and I brought through one of my friends who passed away from drugs and I was getting everyone to connect to him and sort of describe what he looked like and all these different things. Anyway, she was describing someone completely different. She's like, I can see this very tall, six foot something man. He's in the army. He's got, you know, all these sort of badges and different things. It looks, he looks like he was very important. He's like in his sixties. That and the other thing. And I'm going, oh, well, that's not, you know, the person that I've called into the group. And, and I had protected the circle and you're asking about protection before. So I'll always protect our space so that unless someone invites someone in, it's just, you know, us and whatever the spirit is that I invited him. So it turns out one of the little boys, there was a 14 year old boy who has abilities. His mum had brought him along. He was really scared when I brought my friend through. So he invited his pop in and his pop was in the army and he was exactly as Cassie described him. And what had happened was he had a pop standing in front of his mum, and Cassie was sort of next to the mother so she was blocked from seeing my friend that I brought through. All she right. could see was um, this little kid's granddad. He was right in front of her. She couldn't see anything else. It was really interesting, the conversation that I had with the little boy's mum afterwards because she figured out what had happened. And she said, can you apologize to your friend? Because Cassie just thought she was going completely insane. And I said to her, no, you're actually connecting with the little boy's granddad. So that was life-changing for her. That was a moment where she was brave enough to speak about it and say, this is what I'm actually seeing. It's not what everyone else is seeing. And she was right. She was a hundred percent right. So, oh, yeah, so you just have to that trust again, doesn't it? Hundred percent. And it's changed her life. And now she does speak up, which is awesome. I love that story. That was fabulous. So, you say that you're involved in the paranormal project. What is paranormal exactly? I guess paranormal and supernatural. I put them into the same category. Yeah. So, it's something that can't be explained. It can be things moving around the house, things falling over, you know, the smells, all those sort of senses. We would describe all of that as paranormal. So something that kind of can't be explained away as the wind, you know, or something physical. And the reason that our team come in with all the equipment is because primarily we're looking at, as I said before, is electricity a factor? You know, can we explain it away as being something sort of tangible and real or is it coming from another space? And that's why I guess myself and the other team members who can sort of remote view are really important because we can jump in and go, yeah, this is paranormal. So it's not something that can be explained by the wind or something physical and real. And yeah, I guess that's the best way that I I would explain it. But, you know, what I will say around that is radio stations, TV stations, cinemas, pubs, anywhere where there's a lot of energy and a lot of different kinds of energy. And movie cinemas are prolific because you go in there and you go to laugh or you go to cry or you go to see action or drama. People go in there with a bunch of emotions. Like it makes you emotional. You always feel that emotion in a cinema. Um, So spirits hang out in those places because it's essentially those emotions and things that we're feeling as humans charges them up. So they feed off that. So there's a lot of paranormal activity. And if you talk to people in theatre, most of them would have had experiences with the paranormal, with, with something that they just can't explain away. Right. Oh, it's so cool. I love that. So one of the services that you also provide are angel readings. And I love angels so much. Have you ever seen an angel? Yes. Um, 
real goosebump material. <laughs> There's two forms that this can come in. So when I've meditated and things, yes, I've seen them kind of in that, that field, that realm, but also on the earth. And so I don't know if you believe in this, but I do believe that they, they walk the earth and they can take like a human-like form. Mm. Um, there's been a couple of pivotal moments in my life where one of them I remember I was going to TAFE I was walking through um, Brisbane City going to TAFE years ago and um, I went past this person um, and it was a woman and she looked at me and she I felt like she looked into my soul and both times I've seen angels in human form that's how I recognized them because I feel like they looked into my soul and she she looked at me she had the most clear blue eyes i've ever seen in my life and she said michelle what's the time and she used my name it just wow. walked up to me i was just in the city millions of people and i said oh it's blah 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 and then she turned she looked at me again and she just had this look like oh my god it makes me emotional like she was looking into my soul she sort of paused and then turned and walked off and it wasn't until i was walking to tafe and i left her that i was like oh my god she said my name like it didn't even in that moment, I was just yeah. so surprised. Yeah. And I was like, what is she, what is she looking at? You know? And the other time I was a little bit, fr- <laughs> it's quite funny. I was uh, walking my dog through a dark park at night, as you do around a lake. And I was getting a bit afraid. I was a bit like, oh, it's a bit scary. I'm a bit worried. You know, I don't know what I, whether I should turn around. And there was like a lit area behind me, but I was walking away from the lit area into darkness. Anyway, I was a bit like, oh yeah, this is a bit much. I'm going to, um, I'm going to turn around, walk back towards the light. And then I just turned around and I heard this voice and it was very, very high pitched, like a a woman's voice going, don't be afraid. Like this really pitchy voice. And I'm like, holy. And I've like jumped. And then this jogger has just was like right behind me. And I turned around and this guy has like run past me. And same feeling as I got with that woman is I felt like he kind of he looked into my, into my soul or something and he had this T-shirt with just love or something on it. It was weird and he's like running and he came out of nowhere and I'm like, what the hell? And it was his weirdest voice. And the strange thing about it is he ran past and my dog was very protective of me and especially being in the dark, my dog didn't react. It was like he wasn't even there. My dog did wow. nothing. Didn't bark, didn't growl, nothing. Didn't react. And so then I kind of turned back towards the darkness to kind of see like where he'd come from and then turned back towards the light, like to where, where, where the street was, and he was gone. And it was a long path. And there were people walking up on the street. Wow. Where the hell did he go? Yeah. So it was weird because I was, you know, I was scared and I was like, I feel really alone and it was dark. And then this person just appeared and said, do not be afraid. For some reason, it sounded like a lady with a very high-pitched voice. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so I guess they come in all forms, but you know, people could say whatever they want to say about that. My feeling and my gut tells yeah. me that they were, they were angels and they were sent to look after me in some way. He did give me a hell of a fright, but yeah, there was a presence. There's always someone there. When you ask for it, there's always someone there. Yeah. So I think that's one of the biggest things that I'm familiar with is that sometimes people are struggling in their lives. Sometimes they need answers, they need help. And angels can't intervene without you asking them for help. Correct. Correct. So what are some ways that people can ask for help? I know you mentioned doing angel readings. Are there some other ways that people can ask for help without a deck, for example? Yeah. I mean, it's as simple as that. It's exactly what you said. You just ask, you know, that's what I did. I was in the dark and I was like, oh, please, you know, look after me. Like, I'm really scared and, and it just it just happened. So 
it's literally just asking. And it wasn't even, it wasn't like a super conscious thing for me. I wasn't like actually physically expecting someone to come, <laughs> to come and appear behind me. But, you know, that was just a bonus, I guess. It's as simple as just asking, like, you know, and you don't always have to ask, Lauren. We, we lost our dog before the dog we've got now. And we were going to the vet to go and see him and make the decision about what to do. And I was distraught. And I felt a presence in the car. I got a name of an angel. I looked her up. It was Ariel. And she looks after nature and animals. So she particularly looks after your pets. And it was so odd. I went into the vet surgery and I was sitting in the waiting room and I was so upset. And this dog walked in and it turned and looked kind of past me. So I felt her presence. I knew she was behind me. The dog turned and looked past me and walked straight over. It wasn't on a lead. It walked straight over and kind of sat just to my left. And its owner was like, oh, come on. What are you doing? Come on, come on. And sort of tried to get it and it wouldn't move. It was staring just over my shoulder and I knew that Ariel was behind me and wow. I didn't ask. But when you're super emotional and you're going through grief, there's an yeah. angel for grief and all different kinds of, you know, reasons. Yeah. They know, they know that you need them and it's almost like a primal kind of, you've called for help in a way, but it's yeah. more primal. It's not like a thought or anything like that right. or I've spoken it. They just know, they just know when you need that support. And when you're grieving and you're going through a shocking situation, you're not in a position really to ask for that. Sometimes you are, sometimes you're not. I wasn't. She just appeared. She was in the back seat. I was telling Jason, Ariel's in the back seat. She looks after animals, rah, rah, rah. Um, and then we saw a sign on a license plate. I rely on license plates as signs often. And I oh, saw the yeah. sign on the license plate and there was a number. And I looked up angel cards and the number. And it said, you're making the right decision. Because we pretty much made the decision that we were going to pin down. Yeah. Um, and I told Jason that and we're both very upset. But yeah, this dog, it just knew. It was looking at her over my shoulder. So um, animals are super sensitive to that. So if people wanted yeah. to learn more about the types of angels that there are and that can help them, do you have a resource that you use that you would recommend? I probably use Google a lot. It's going to sound terrible. But if I, because I always ask for a name. So if I have an angel come to me and often Gabriel comes to me because he, he looks after communicators and writers. I, if I'm walking the dog for some reason, um, I might feel a presence and I'll be like, who is it? And I'll get the name and then I'll Google what they are. Yeah. So that's, it sound, probably sounds terrible, but that's, you know, there's books and other things. Um, uh, Doreen Virtue's great. Like Doreen yeah. Virtue's written a lot about angels and I've got some of her little mini books explaining the angels and their purposes. But yeah, when I'm out and about and walking, um, that's generally what I do is I always ask for the name and what they do, what okay. their um, purpose is. Yeah, yeah. So Gabriel tends to spend a lot of time around me. He's a bit of a messenger as well. Yeah. So when you were talking earlier, you mentioned looking for signs. That's one of the things that I always aim to do as well. So whenever I see a heart in a random place or a leaf yes. that looks like a heart or something, I always kind of imagine that that's the trail for me to follow. Or when I've had a difficult time or an experience and I see something out of place like that, for me, it feels like validation. I can see you nodding your head yes. like you agree with that. So how do people find their own sign? Do they just um, It's paying pay attention? attention and, yeah, it's paying attention, but it's also being present. And what a lot of us do is where, and this is why people go to, to see me, like to see someone like me for a reading is because they're like, oh, you know, I don't know what's going on and this and that. And I'm like, you're not present. A lot yeah. of people who come to see me, they're living way off in the past. They're reliving events, unfortunate, unpleasant events. Or they're off in the future, wondering what's going to happen, what's around the corner, what's my next career going to be. We're not in the present. And what I tell a lot of those people, um, and I'll tell your listeners, is smelling a flower brings you straight back to the present. 
doesn't work in winter, doesn't work at certain times of the year, but perfume doesn't have the same effect. If you have like essential oils and things, you know, they can have a similar effect. Yeah. But if you can get a flower and smell it, straight back to the present. When I'm walking, I'll pick a French penny or I'll pick one off the ground and I'll smell it as I'm walking. And that keeps me in the present. So that's one of the best ways to be in the moment. And that's when you see signs. When people are off in the past or future, you're not noticing. You're not noticing these things. There could be all sorts of amazing things going on. You know, the clouds are taken on a particular formation or something incredible. And they're just not looking. They're just not noticing. You have to be in the present. Yeah, I agree with that. And if anyone listening is interested in how to do that more, Eckhart Tolle with his book, The Power of Now, and his other book, A New Earth, can really help you with that. For me, also conscious breathing, like taking a deep breath in and out, really can help me to be to be here now. Centered, yeah. So I just had a few more questions before we wrap up today. If someone's at home and they're interested in communicating with angels or exploring their hidden talents, what are some suggestions that you would give for them to to get started? Mm -hmm. It's a good idea to have a mentor. I found that I didn't fully develop and sort of understand my gifts until I found someone who could sort of mentor me. So There's lots of people out there who teach in different areas, whatever you're interested in. So there's obviously medical mediumship, you know, people who look at you and can kind of tell your health, you know, issues and stuff like that. So it depends on what you're interested in. So if you figure out sort of what you want to learn about, and it might be just at a basic level, there's people who do like general courses, getting into readings and, you know, doing different things like that. It really depends on your specifics, like what you want. But I really recommend getting a mentor because as I said, you know, some crazy things were happening in my household. And then I was like, you know what? I actually need someone to teach me how to do this because you can get into a bit of trouble. Yeah. So yeah. when you get into doing you know, paranormal work and stuff like that, sometimes just putting up a little bubble isn't enough and you need to know techniques around that. So yeah. I would say find a mentor. There's a lot of really good paranormal groups mentioned on Facebook. So people could look up you know, groups on Facebook and talk to them and just say, look, have you got someone there who you know, can show me the ropes or yeah, teach me what to do. But in terms of angels, I mean, we go into um, houses a lot with children. We're seeing things and experiencing things. And we're just like, look, Archangel Michael is fantastic. He's so tall and he's so strong and he has his big sword and kids love that, especially little boys. And you're like, you know, he's really good at cord cutting. I was going to mention cord cutting before, you know, in terms of people who work in hairdressing and social work and work where you're in contact with a lot of different people, a medical, you know, doctor or something like that, where you're coming across a lot of people and you're exhausted. There's just cords all over you. You need to cut them. Archangel Michael with his sword, he assists with that. So he's actually a cord cutter as well, but he's also a protector. And so we use him with children. So children are experiencing things and they're like, okay, I can feel something. There's something scary here we get them to call Archangel Michael in, his big sword, and then he, you know, protects them or he asks the spirit to move on, like to leave the little child's room. And so we find that really, really useful. So we tell parents that Archangel Michael is a good all-rounder, but then any angel that you want, you know, to connect with, you just ask them, you know, to sort of come in and adults, you know, it's the same sort of process, I guess. Yeah, I love that. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Trust. Yeah. What's all you've got? Yeah. It's, it's not tangible. You know, I'm sitting here looking at this person, I'm seeing all these things and I'm like, Ooh, I hope this is right. And I will say life experience as well. Yeah. Because I'm not the kind of person who gets my nails done, but I was doing a reading for a lady and I could just see 
I was looking at people's hands and I'm sort of, you know, doing this and I'm looking at their hands and I could just see this vision. I was like, oh, you're starting a business, but like you're doing something with hands. And because I don't do my nails, I was like, oh, maybe it's jewelry. So I was kind of going down that path and she stopped me. And I'm one of these people. I'm very stubborn. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to ask for help, but I want to ask, you know, yeah. the right because I don't want people to think I'm fishing. Yeah. So I was like, well, you know, what is it? And she said, I do nails. I'm a nail technician and I want to start my own business. And I saw her business. I was like, you're doing the business. Cool. So once we realized it was a nail technician, I was off, but I was sort yeah. of going down the wrong path. You know what I mean? So yeah. sometimes it's asking, like it's having the courage. And that's probably my other piece of advice is having the courage to sometimes say, look, I'm not sure what this hand thing is, but I'm seeing you doing something with hands. Can we talk about that? And then I'm going to keep going. Whereas yeah. I sort of went off on this tangent and it wasn't right, but she knew that she knew, she said, look, I can understand what you're looking at and, yeah. and what you're saying. So I didn't have that life experience. So that's really important for us as readers is to, we draw on that all the time because spirit will use an experience of mine so that I can relate to this experience in this other person's life. Yeah. So it's, there's a lot of figuring out, a lot of figuring out, but I would say life experience is super important. Yeah. I agree with that. Michelle, what do you think happens to us when we die? I've read a lot of, um, I'm very interested in near-death experiences when I know you are as well. So yeah. I've read a lot about, you know, that. And, and I'm sure you're familiar with the story where people sort of go in and they see their life play out. So up until kind of the point they died, they often see like, I guess, like a show reel. Life Showing review. them all these different experience. Yeah, life review. So I guess, you know, it's a difficult question because in some situations, people might die in a sudden way, in a shocking way, and then they just kind of, they're here. And they're in that, what people would consider like a limbo type situation. Yeah. Some people believe they'll remain there until they reach the age that they were supposed to have died at. And then they have the opportunity to go on. Oh. However, I know that in those situations, we can move them on. We can create the light and they can yeah. choose to go through, even if it's like a suicide or something like that. Spirits will sometimes find their way to funeral homes and go through the light that way because wow. the light will stay there for about a week, I think, five days um, after someone dies. So sometimes spirits can be guided to funeral homes and then they can move through the light that way. Wow. Um, but they're, att- they're attracted to that light. You know, people like me and, and people who do this sort of work, we're a bit like a, a flame, you know, and they're like a moth. So there's different things around, you know, how you die and what sort of happens. But if you go through the light, the light's there for about five days. If that person chooses to go through light, they go through the light and then they're on the other side. And then they sort of decide from there, um, what's my soul, you know, my next soul purpose going to be you know, I guess they spend as much time as they want up there and then they, you know, come back. And we've actually communicated with spirit. One of my friends is an amazing psychic medium. And one of the little spirits that she was talking to a little girl was saying that um, they were having a party for her friend. So they were all little spirits. And I guess they had lived before and died and all that sort of stuff. They were having a party for their friend because her mother was pregnant on earth. So she was getting ready to come in like she was getting ready to go into her mum's belly and be born she was having this little party all the friends were saying goodbye and then what would happen is we asked the little girl is she gets her main guides we all have guides that we're born with the guide accompanies her to earth to be born and she has this great big book and the big book is all the stuff that we're supposed to remember while we're in our life gifts you know purposes challenges all of that stuff is is written in this book i don't believe in kind of a right or wrong path but i believe that generally we have that gut and that that intuition that tells us you know this is kind of a a better path maybe the other path and then that is all predetermined in that book and your guide brings you and then you come into your mom's belly and you're born so they were having a little sort of yeah party for her and i just thought that was absolutely fascinating is the book that you're referring to the akashic records 
Is that different? I think, I think it's different because I've done regressions where I've gone in and I've viewed Akashic records. Like I've gone in and sort of done that. And that yeah. was in, it was like in a, a great big library. And that was fascinating. That was highly recommend regression to anyone. That was in a library and it was, uh, you sort of go into a particular area. Like you specifically say, this is where I want to go. I want to go to my records and, and go on and look at that. So I think that would be something different. And I was, in under hypnosis when I did that so I don't have a lot of memory physical memory of that I'd have to go back and listen to what I said but I I feel like this book because the Akashic records go back um through all your past lives too whereas I think this one is more specific for this life if that makes sense setting you up for Um, this life yeah yeah this this life specific and I guess after you become a spirit again that would be added to yeah. The Akashic Records. Yeah. yeah. If that makes oh sense. my God. It's so wonderful. Well, yeah. thank you so much. It's been a fabulous conversation. I really would love to have you back again. Maybe next really time we can it. explore past lives because we didn't yes. really get into that too much today. And that's a whole amazing conversation that can stand alone, I'm sure. I understand yeah. that you might have a special offer for our listeners if they mention the afterlife. Can you tell me what yeah. that yeah, so I'd love to, I love connecting. So I thought I'd offer um, a free mini reading, um, which is a 15-minute connection. So that could be anything, psychic mediumship, just clairvoyance, whatever people want, angel cards. So yeah, free 15-minute connection for anyone who uses the, the little code. Awesome. And what we'll do is yeah. we'll leave um, your links to your Facebook, your contacts, and all that for people to redeem in the show notes as well. That'd be awesome. Thank you, Lauren. Awesome. Thank you so much, Michelle. Fabulous.